Recording is on. Hello, everyone. Welcome to One Bit Wonders. Today, we are again talking with Devin from 99 Rabbits. Uh, no, 100 Rabbits, sorry. Um, and yeah, um, last time uh, we had to cut it halfway through because of connectivity issues. But um, now we are back at it again. Um, and first of all, um, so I know you have a play date in your hands. So people who listen to this podcast are really looking forward to the play date. And we would like to know your experience on, you know, coding for it and playing with it, uh, the screen, all of that. Oh, what can you tell us? Well, it, it feels really good in the... In the in the hands like the it has a it's well built and i was i was happily surprised with it actually we had like a friend of ours gave it to us so we could port xn for it um and i didn't really think about like i, I was it was it was something that was in my peripheral vision but i wasn't super aware and i wasn't really following you know the the updates and stuff and i i kind of approached it very cynical i was thinking like oh it's going to be like this sort of thing that you just it's impossible to repair and everything is made from like glue and whatever but but no it like i, I opened it took it apart you can take the, the battery out you can remove it this the, the screen is something you can order and it's really easy to access it's one of the sharp screens um it's it's a nice little device and the sdk is great the, the emulator even is is really good too like they built a sdl emulator that is very easy to set up even on linux and uh, i think it's probably designed for for mac but it works on linux and uh, yeah, took us a day to port uh, the Uxan stack to it. We haven't really tried the Lua uh, toolkit, but it's really designed to be uh, uh, running Lua stuff. Like, it's not a language I, I personally like and care to learn, but um, I think like for for game programmers, it's probably the best candidate to to build stuff for it. But if you want, you can write stuff in pure C and just use their API. Although like the the C stuff is not super well documented, we had to figure out most of how to use it but i mean there's a small community there's a chat room there's a forum the forum is pretty active all right yeah um that's great to hear especially for uh people interested in developing for the play date um so um let me okay so have you actually played games on it or have you just uh programmed on the uxn stuff or I played a few. A friend of mine is working on a on a sort of like Tetris game with frogs. That oh yeah, I know which. And um, and I that's the one I played the most, and it feels great. I mean, the refresh rate is, is super fast, and the play date, the play date's battery lasts pretty long. So, you know, you charge it once, and you can play for like three or four days, or almost a week, basically. Yeah, it looks pretty charming, and I don't know if you've heard of the open source alternative that is coming up called the Frankie. So the no, main difference, yeah, the main difference with that one, I would say is the, um, how do you say it? Oh. Yeah, modularity. Yeah, it's much more modular than Playdate. So Playdate has, um, you know, this set of inputs, which are the crank, the accelerometer, the D-pad, and two A and B buttons. Uh, but with the, the... Wait, I hear some 
Okay. Yeah, sorry, there's a boat coming coming out of the arbor and we hear it. Right. Yeah. So no, with the plate with the front key, you actually can swap out the inputs. Um, you can put something that's more music oriented, um, like synthesizer controllers. Um, you can put a keyboard there. So yeah, I I'm actually really looking forward to that one as well. Um, I think it has a lot of potential too. It uses the exact same screen actually. So I think porting games over um, will be relatively easy. Um, yeah, probably. Well, one problem I have with the Playdate is that it doesn't have the start select buttons. Like it's super limiting to just have the A and B. I mean, I understand this or like minimal aspect of it, but uh, even porting from like just basic, very, very basic XN stuff, we just ha without having select start, to use, it's. I mean, it, it makes for a worse UX than than necessary. Yeah, uh, in that sense, um, you may actually um, have a better experience. Um, you know, for games that are slightly more complicated um, on the, you, in terms of inputs, I mean, um, with the Frankie platform, as that um, well, the main controller those have A, B, X, Y. So um, yeah, you have a bit more options there. Um, so for example, uh, with Zelda, like even on the NES, um, you had just A and B, but because of this select, you could actually grab like a ton of items. And I know there are some um, methods you could, um, you know, uh, bypass that. Like uh, you could um, have the inventory on the crank um, I think that would be a great method to do a Zelda-like game. Um, you know, having all those items and still using just two buttons. Yeah, I think that would be an ingenious way. I don't know if a, dev a developer has already done something like that. But yeah, I have um, mixed feelings on, you know, um, uh, minimalism, um, like on... You, no, in terms of software, I think it's great. Um, no, in but in, in terms of hardware, like um, I think uh, flexibility is really important. Like, you know, it's cool that um, the base um, set of inputs is simple, but I really like uh, things that can be expanded uh, upon. Like, um, you know, the Raspberry Pi, um, it's a very modular platform, and that's something I really love about it. Um, you can have it, um, you know, as a desktop or on a very simple, um, you know, handheld, or maybe a more complex handheld with two joysticks and an HD screen. And you can have it as a laptop, like with a keyboard. Um, so yeah, um, for processors, like, um, yeah, I. I, I want to relate this to the chip shortage because I really don't like how um, many devices are designed to be like one use only. For example, the Amazon Kindle, I think that's one of the worst examples um, because uh, it can only read books. Like you cannot put a calculator on it. You cannot, um, you know, write on it or, uh, you know, out of the box, um, there's a lot of things you can't do with it, even though um, 
theoretically you totally could um and yeah i just think um flexibility and modularity with hardware is really important and it's something we should push for we should push for and well i think the play date is much more flexible than say a nintendo switch um because it's much more open um but still um i wish um there was a bit more modularity to it like there is with the frankie um which is why yes i am excited for the play date but i'm frankly a little more excited for frankie um because of that modularity i think it opens a lot of options um yeah i really like that I, we feel a bit uh, conflicted with these sort of devices i mean like it's it's still people producing new electronics that are not gonna last for very long i mean yes like the play date for instance what they could have done is that they could they could have kind of, kind of gone the yuxen route where they could have said okay so we're going to make a device that, that that can run you know all sorts of things it has maybe like a uh, yeah like a lua target and so on but but i wish that instead of trying to make their own sort of um ecosystem ecosystem like they could have said like okay so like let's use it as a platform that will that that will target the, the this or or that VM. So instead of saying um, like this toolchain will compile to uh, the, the 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 playdate stack, I wish it was like a simple virtual machine that that was completely open and explained and, and documented first. So like even before the playdate comes out, you go on their website and it says like, all right, so this is the apps the, the the binary format it expecting, and you can use any any stack you want, uh, any sort of a, like write if you want write your own assembler. Like if the, the the virtual machine behind the playdate was simple enough that you could write it from any language, and also a, a target that's portable, so like it, instead of using like their emulator, anyone could decide to write their own emulator, and that spec could could be like a portable target that people could be like, well, okay, so the the Frankie or whatever the other devices that are gonna come could could say like, okay, we'll we'll support that VM and that VM and that VM, and so like the ROM that people are like writing right right now like slaving away at at, at writing. Will not die with the console. It'd be it'd be like a, a portable target, a bit like the GBA or the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo are today. They are they are somewhat simple systems, well at least simple enough that people can implement their own emulators fairly easily, and and that makes that gives game some sort of permanence. Like people write projects, they spend years working working on a game, and then sometimes they spend five years working on a game that for a platform that. That survives like a year. Like imagine people who, who made exclusive games for the Ouya. You know, like it's yeah. The playdate could have decided like, okay, so we have. I mean, the screen has like two colors. The the the, the button is A B and and I mean, okay, so that's like this. The, the sound is expecting the, these sorts of uh, waveform, and that would be enough to spec out a simple virtual machine that people could build games for and it wouldn't be like a lockdown platform i think like this would have been super interesting and a fascinating way to get people interested in programming also like like right now people will learn lua to write games for it lua has no it abstracts all the hardware and i think that's probably not the right way to to to, to move forward and and make things that can be ported easily if the hardware is always abstracted people don't have a real sense of you know the, the cost of this and that operation 
anyway, this is just how I feel about this. Yeah, um, actually, what the Frankie does is that right out of the box, it runs um, all of the Ardu Boy games. So there's like, um, I don't know, uh, maybe a couple hundred games for Ardu Boy. So the fact that they already run out of the box with the Frankie, um, I think that makes it um, quite appealing. And well, it's built on, you know, open standards and stuff. Um, so also it already runs Game Boy games. So I think, um, you know, having a platform, um, yeah, that it's also a thing with the analog pocket, um, which I think um, both the Frankie and the analog pocket are um, doing quite a lot for preservation as, um, you know, they are uh, dedicated hardware that can run all of those titles um, from the Game Boy era. Um, yeah, for the Playdate, I think there is an emulator, but yeah, if, uh, it will be a little awkward to adapt, you know, games that had um, select options, um, like, you know, Zelda games. Um, yeah, I think that um, may be a little complicated on the play date, while um, the, you know, the Frankie has plenty of um, those um, uh, inputs. Um, there's also in the possibility to connect a keyboard with the Frankie. That also opens a whole world of possibilities, like you can emulate the original Mac on it. Um, while with the uh, Playdate, you are stuck with, um, you know, the inputs that come out of the out of the factory. Um, and yeah, I just um, like more multifunctional devices. Um, you know, I like the Playdate. I think it's uh, cool and cute and all. But um, if I'm being honest, I'm I'm more of a power user, so I like. Um, you know, having as many options available to me as possible with a device um, for them to be as open as possible, um, you know, as modifiable, as expandable as possible. Um, I think that's a philosophy we should um, strive towards with devices so they don't, um, you know, end up in a drawer because they can no longer uh, like they can no longer connect to the internet. They can no longer, you know, because the servers were disconnected or something. Um, so yeah, that's why I really uh, strive for more open devices. Um, yeah, that's so, also ugh, this console that the Intellivision Amico, oh gosh, that's gonna be a disaster. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've seen it, but no, say the, say the name again. Intellivision Amico. <laughs> it's basically pure nostalgia bait. And now they are trying to push NFTs and all that garbage. And oh, no, no, no. Um, yeah, it's also like closed source. That looks terrible. Yeah, it looks awful. Um, and it looks like too complicated for a gaming, for a casual gaming console. And that's gonna make it like the Wii U had one screen and that made the price like super expensive. This thing has two. And yeah, uh, I don't know how they are um, even thinking about launch launching that thing. 
it looks terrible. But yeah, at least the play date, like, um, yeah, I can see the appeal, but with the Amico, I'm like, yeah, this is e-waste. Like, <laughs> this thing isn't going to be able to browse the web or anything because it's stuck on a stupid proprietary um, software. Um, you won't be able to, like, emulate games on it. It, it can only run these, um, you know, mobile kind of games uh, on the big screen, which isn't really appealing. Um, yeah, I just don't like that um, hardware philosophy um, at all. <laughs> so uh, have you seen uh, the Game Boy Wi-Fi cartridge they built? Uh, no, but I've seen the NES one. Uh, yeah, so someone built a cartridge with Wi-Fi built in for the Game Boy. And so far, it can read Wikipedia articles on that um, tiny uh, black and green screen. No, yeah, screen. Um, it's, <laughs> it's really awesome that uh, someone uh, pulled off something uh, like that uh, on such an underpowered piece of hardware. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so that's sort of, that's sort of thing I, I absolutely love. It's like, so for the Playdate, I mean, imagine if the Game Boy was as open as the Playdate. Like right now, the Game Boy is, is a good target because it's simple, but also it wasn't designed to be uh, homebrewed so easily. The Playdate is designed to be homebrewed. Like I'm, I'm thinking like, imagine the power that we would have today if some if consoles like the Nintendo and so on were were allowed, you know, back then to to be modded so much easier. Uh, I'm I just like I, I don't think it it necessarily means the downfall of a console if people can actually make their own things for it. It could have been pretty interesting if the Game Boy had like a and a homebrew a homebrew scene that that was encouraged and not like frowned upon or sued if you if you if you release things for it. Things like the, the Wi-Fi adapter and so on would have been like much more prevalent. Yeah, now it's having a bit of a renaissance, I would say, with emulation and the analog pocket, which is using FPGA technology to, um, you know, imitate all of those uh, hardware pieces. Uh, right now, I think the analog pocket is a little limited um, because it only supports, um, you know, I say quote-unquote quote only, um, GB, GBA, uh, GBC, uh, what else? Atari Lynx, Game Gear, and I think Neo Geo. But like it could theoretically also support Super Nintendo and Genesis and stuff like that, but um, they are not allowing it because uh, that would be piracy and stuff like that. I don't know, something along those lines, I think. Um, but yeah, it's a little unfortunate that, um, you know, they have decided to limit what that console can do to only handhelds when in theory it could handle some older, um, you know, home consoles that have very active homebrew scenes. Like the NES has a huge homebrew scene, the Sega Genesis. Um, yeah, those could easily be supported on the analog pocket, but um, it simply doesn't have support for that. 
I think in the future with some uh, homebrew software, it will be able to emulate those and that will be great. But to, but today it's kind of limited, which is kind of disappointing for something that is uh, $200. Like um, you expect it to do a little more than, than just those um, four or five consoles. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it's a missed opportunity there uh, to have like a, a handheld that can do almost everything, which I think that's one of the brilliant parts about the Steam Deck. Now that's a device I think which, well, which has a philosophy that I can't get behind. Like it is open um, to, you know, you can put a web browser on it, you can, um, you know, even do 3D renders on it with Blender if you wanted to. Um, and that's the sort of openness I, I want from devices because you see uh, the PlayStation 5 that cannot play uh, discs, like that console, um, you know, in a couple of years, like when Sony decides to shut down um, the PlayStation network or something, yeah, that will be... Um, basically um, a piece of junk uh, and that's something which I don't uh, like about uh, the design philosophy on most modern products which is something I really dig um, with the with Valve's Steam Deck that uh, the thing is basically um, you know gonna be useful for years and years because of the way it is designed and the fact that, um, you know, it's open to do with it whatever you want. Um, I think that's a great philosophy. And that's something we should have in every product, like, um, because otherwise um, they, uh, they just um, miss a lot of their um, potential uses. Um, if they are just, oh, you can just do gaming and you can only uh, get your games from this source, then they become inherently very limited despite being very capable pieces of hardware. And that's something I uh, that we should take from the chip shortage that uh, devices should be designed to do as much as they can, um, you know, to be able to do them. Like uh, the Raspberry Pi, you know, it's it's not designed for just one purpose. No, you can, um, you know, use it as a desktop. You can use it as, uh, you know, IoT device um, that checks if your plants are being watered or something. Um, you can do so many things with it. And that's something um, that I think all, all chip makers should do. Like not just limit um, the chipsets to this one form factor or this one um, use case. Like um, let people take the chips out and put it on a different shell for them to do a different thing and all that. I'm really a fan of modularity and or or, or not even that. Like uh, even you know change the software that runs inside so that you can do different things from what it was program to do um yeah because otherwise you like i don't see the point of uh super expensive hardware that does just this one thing 
like with video game consoles, um, which I think is why the Steam Deck is brilliant because it is in theory a video game console, but in practice it is also a PC, it is also a tablet, um, and you know all of that hardware inside is really put to good use. And you know in the before the Steam Decks like. People had to choose, um, like, do I want to play my games, um, you know, on that old PC I have, or, um, you know, a video game console? And if I buy them on the video game console, I cannot play them on the old PC. And if I buy them on the old PC, I can't play them on the console. But with the Steam Deck, um, you know, I think those lines are blurred. And I think that's really positive for hardware. I don't want these closed ecosystems that don't allow you to do anything you want, only what the developers want you to do. Like, I, I, I just like more openness. And I think that's something that Steam Deck is doing right, uh, all of that openness. And yeah, it's also part of the reason why I don't like Oculus, but that's a whole uh, bag of worms there. Like, I, I don't want to talk about Oculus right now. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, what do you think, um, like, in terms of hardware? Like, do you agree that, um, you know, hardware should be more modular and more um, you know, user-friendly, that it doesn't go against what you want to do with it, but it actually helps you accomplish it. Um, um, I think there's enough hardware right now that, that has been made that people shouldn't have to buy anymore. <laughs> and yeah, like... that, that too. Like the Xbox Ones of the world, um, they, they could be perfectly usable computers, but Microsoft just refuses to put that functionality there. Like no one should have to buy four devices with uh, very similar specs just to do a slightly different things. And that's something I also see with Apple. Like they have the M1 chip on the iPad Pro and they also have it on the Macs. Why does it need to, why, why do you need two devices, um, you know, for just a slightly different experience? Like you could take the brain of the device, the M1 chip and put it on a different shell if it was like the Raspberry Pi, like more modular and stuff. Um, so yeah, I I don't like the fact that, and also, yeah, that so many chips are constrained by, um, you know, what the uh, developers wanted it to be and the users can't do anything else uh, with it. I, I think that is um, unfair um, that they want, uh, you know, everyone to buy the same chip uh, three times, uh, just on a slightly different form factor for them to be able to do everything that the chip can theoretically do. When you could just get, if it was designed in a more open way, you could just get one and be that, and, and that could be your computer device, that could be your desktop, your laptop, your tablet, your, like, and, I don't like how uh, it's split into different categories and you cannot just uh, take them out and, um, you know, do something else with those chips. Uh, I don't like those. Um, you, for example, the Nintendo Switch uh, has a NVIDIA Tegra chip, which in theory 
could run Android and Linux, but um, yeah, you cannot because uh, it's Nintendo and you can only run their OS that doesn't even have a web browser. And yeah, I think people should be able to have just one device that can do uh, all that they want, um, you know, because modern chipsets uh, can do that. But uh, the ones developing uh, consoles and hardware, they refuse to allow people to do it. And I think that's, yeah, that's really unfair. And yeah, I agree that uh, we should uh, slow down the way we produce things. Uh, like, uh, you see how uh, millions and millions of PlayStation 5s are produced and then, or, or, or even worse with iPhones, like they get produced, um, you know, every year a different model. That's insane. Like at least with consoles, they get uh, refreshed every five or so years. With phones, it's every year, and that's really, really, um, you know, grotesque, the amount of resources that are being used uh, for that. So, yeah, I agree with that. Like, if you, if you look at, the, let's, let's say, Super Nintendo games, you'll have, like, the, the, the early games, you know, like, people figuring out how to build stuff for the thing, and then a few years later, games get better. Like, there's a, a big chasm between you know like the very good games on the SNES, SNES and like the worst ones which you know like that were made in the beginning when they were still figuring out how things worked and right now people don't even have the chance of, of pushing the, the consoles or like the hardware to their limits there's an, already a new one coming out so people just like start again from scratch and there's not much of that deep work in in in, in, in like optimizing for less right now it's just People do, you know, the bare minimum, expecting the hardware to just get better for them instead of having to learn how to do the hard work of optimizing, and and that just keeps kind of like that's this thread mill of generating new trash uh, going. Uh, with hundred rabbits, we we were like wondering if we could work entirely from donated device and secondhand devices, and we've been doing that for a few years now, and we even feel like our computing experience degraded so much. I mean, obviously a lot of the new things, especially like this website like Jitsi and, and Slack and, and people use uh, Discord, like these websites, they just like kill our devices. Um, but but otherwise, like for the our everyday programming, design, music making, whatever, um, our 10 years, 15 years old laptop, they do it they do it well. I mean, you could make music 15 years ago, you could make, you could use Photoshop, like you could use Photoshop on a, a Mac Classic, you know, and seriously, like you use Photoshop now and it doesn't, I mean, in some cases it feels worse. So, so yeah, I, I don't see a need of like constantly trying to get new things, and especially like as a programmer, you should you should have the worst hardware, so as to make sure that people would anything better than what you have can actually run it. Right now, programmers think that oh, I'm a programmer, so I need like the like the best top of the line computer, and that doesn't really encourage the, the programmer to to optimize for needing less. It's just like if you set the bar so high that anyone other will have like a worse experience than you then you're not programming for everyone else you're programming for like only people who can afford like the best thing that's out there in the market right now yeah um overall i yeah i really think we should um slow down the way we um you know develop hardware like i think um you know the way we develop software like 
um, you know, software is not a physical thing, so um, it's okay for it to, you know, rapidly evolve. But I think with hardware, we should take things much, much lower. Otherwise, we, um, you know, get this planned obsolescence and, you know, your phone from three years old, which has six gigs of RAM and, you know, like an eight core G CPU and stuff like that. Yeah, it no longer works because it's three years old. So uh, you have to get a new one to get an official update. So, yeah, that's just ridiculous. And yeah, um, I also, well, one of the projects I, I also really like is uh, the PinePhone project. Um, I think what they are doing is uh, quite good. And uh, well, also uh, Fairphone, they are developing them like every three or so years and they still give updates to the Fairphone 2, which is super, super old at this point. So, and yeah, you would never see that from, you know, Apple or Samsung, never. And um, yeah, that should actually be the standard to give support to devices and to not launch them every year. Like, I think, um, you know, the minimum that should be like the gap between devices should be three years. And some people may say, oh, but uh, in those three years, well, uh, you are using, I don't know, outdated hardware or something like that. Uh, I don't think that's, um, you know, a, a problem as big as having, you know, um, hardware produced every damn year. Um, I think the, you, you know, needing to use, um, you know, a slightly older chips for longer than a year. Um, I think it's a good sacrifice, like, uh, to stop this culture of, um, you know, producing and producing and producing, um, you know, uh, mindlessly, um, I think we should totally go against that. Uh, uh, you know, not support uh, the companies who are doing it, calling them out for it. Um, yeah, I think that's something uh, that we should do. And um, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. Um, do you have uh, anything else to say about that? For example, well, I have a, a little more. Uh, now, well, you were talking about web browsers. So I don't know if you've heard about NetSurf. Yeah, that's it's the browser I use most, <laughs> except except when I'm asked to be doing Jitsi, I'm always using it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Like um, from what I've seen, it runs on Amigas, Ataris, also pieces with Risk OS, um, Haiku, also on BSD distributions, um, Linux, of course. Uh, so yeah, I really like how they are uh, supporting all of these old computers. Um, to well, they are allowing them to still browse the web. Uh, well, the pages that can be uh, wrong with it, because you know some of it are just too heavy for those older devices. Um, so yeah, um, those are like developers and you know missions that I really support. Um, the ones that are trying to um, not uh, well to basically. Um, you know, rescue computers as they are um, very valuable uh, artifacts that shouldn't be uh, just wasted or discarded, um, you know, every two years because an upgrade came up. Um, yeah, I don't think that's a healthy culture to have. So 
yeah, I really, I'm really a fan of all of those projects that are trying to revive or, you know, give new uses to older hardware, including UXN. Like, um, it's super cool that you can uh, still do uh, music and pixel art on, on a Game Boy Advance and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, um, I really, really passionate about your mission and um, I hope I can contribute somehow someday. But, you know, I, I do what I can right now, um, which is spreading awareness about this. And yeah. Have you tried doing the tutorial? Have, have I tried what? Doing the XM tutorial. Oh, um, I haven't actually, you, you know, um, set up the VM yet, but I have done a, a bit of research on it like the apps that it can run and stuff like that. Um, I think I have run one app, but my memory is kind of terrible. So I, don't, I think it was Noodle um, that I run once. Um, and yeah, I am, um, I have also used some of your other apps. I think I used um, Dot Grid, what's it called? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I've also used that one. Um, so yeah, I really, um, like your um, software a lot and also your um, web page, uh, all the info and art that you, yeah, I think it's really valuable. Hmm, I have to port uh, that grid to XM actually. That's one of the, the thing I have on my list. Yeah, that could be cool. Um, and also, oh yeah, I wanted to, um, you know, say that it would be awesome for UXN to run at some point on Frankie, like whether it's you who port it or some other developer, that would also be really cool. As with the Frankie, you do have a full keyboard and uh, synthesizer modules and things like that. So you could do a lot of really cool stuff with it. Um, yeah, uh, I, it's a platform I really want to see more development for. So yeah, that's something that uh, I would be excited to see um, later. Mm, anything else you'd like to say? Anything you want to leave the audience with? Um, no, I think I think you, you you went over over everything. I mean, I mean, there's there's not many people thinking about this this permeable computing stuff. So I'm I'm glad that you're spreading awareness. Yeah, thanks a lot. And also thanks for developing um, stuff to keep, um, you know, the philosophy of permanent computing alive and uh, keeping all of these devices that would otherwise be in a drawer, um, you know, keeping them useful um, because they are useful. Um, they are, yeah, a very valuable resources to, um, you know, develop uh, software with and, um, to, you know, um, even create art and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's really, really um, cool to see people, um, you know, still passionate about that mission of, um, you know, rescuing old hardware and giving it new life um, in a world that wants um, everything to be scrapped for parts for newer things that are more expensive and yeah. So it was really nice to have you here. Um, 
I really enjoyed talking with you. Um, so, um, yeah, see you. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Bye. Mm.